Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with Jeremy as always and today we are joined by Santiago. I can't wait for this conversation. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as well. Um, thank you for being here and Jeremy's going to introduce him properly as always. Hey guys, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, thank you Santiago for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you Jeremy and Rosie for the invitation and I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to quickly introduce uh, introduce you for the audience and I'll let you dive into the details. But as a, as a quick introduction, uh, I've been following you on Instagram for I don't know, a few years. Um, you are known for being the storm pilot on, on Instagram. Um, you are an airline pilot uh, and you take photographs from the cockpit of like the sky, storms, uh, and, and stuff like that. And and your photographs, uh, well, became recognized and appreciated by a lot of people. And uh, yeah, and you grew on your journey on this side. And that's how I started to follow you a while ago. I, I can't remember how I found you, honestly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 pretty unusual to see the kind of this, the, those kind of photographs. Uh, so I guess also that's why people like it. Um, so yeah, I thought it'd be, it'd be really cool to, well, first learn about how you became a pilot. Cause you know, that's, that's always cool anyway. Like a lot <laughs> of kids would dream to become a pilot and stuff like that. So I thought that could, that would be nice by itself anyway, but also how you managed to, well, like be a pilot plus a photographer and, and, and create, uh, some alternative business on this side from now so that's that'll be really interesting um <laughs> so maybe let's start with the basic you're born raised and still living in ecuador right yes yes yeah. that's right um how did you get into like becoming a pilot was it like a dream when you were a kid like i want to be there one day <laughs> yes actually it was i i live very very close to the old quito airport uh, it closed a few years ago and it was quite a challenging airport for pilots. Uh, it's actually on a, on a flight simulator as one of the toughest or almost interesting approaches a few years ago because it was it was not a, a, an easy airport. It, it's in the mountains, it's inside the city, it was inside the city. So it was quite a special place and I am lucky to live uh, very close to it. So uh, I was I was used to look at uh, big airplanes landing very, very close from my home, mm -hmm. almost at eye level. <laughs> I could see them uh, just a few seconds from landing. So I always loved it. It was not a straightforward uh, career. I actually first studied systems engineering and worked a little bit on on that before i finally decided to become a pilot <laughs> all right okay um how how hard it is to become a pilot i have no idea to be honest like like you need to go to like a, a, a special school for that or when you have an engineering background is that something that you can do just by just by getting a license quote unquote <laughs> <laughs> no actually you have to go to a flight school that's the most common way to to becoming a pilot uh, there are some places that mix the pilot career into a university career, but most flight school just give you the, the education and the licenses to become a pilot, nothing else. So you have to study um, 
several subjects, um, engines, uh, of course, aerodynamics, etc. But the most important thing is that you gather flight experience. So you have to fly with an instructor, then you fly solo, then you fly uh, cross country, which is uh, you know longer flights. Then you uh, then you get like specific ratings. So you have a multi-engine rating. Then you have an instrument rating when you only fly with reference to instruments and so on and you then you build up your experience and uh, your knowledge up until you get hired to fly big jets uh, for an airline if, if that's what you want to do and then you have specific training on that aircraft because uh, big aircraft requires specific training for that aircraft and nothing else oh okay so if you become specialized in i don't know a boeing whatever it is like you you won't be able easily to fly like an Airbus something. You'll need yes. like a, a license for it. Exactly. For example, uh, in my case, I fly the Boeing 767 and I cannot fly any other jet. Uh, so uh, there are a few exceptions. For example, if you fly Airbus 320, you can fly the 319 and the 321. Yeah. But, but just because they're the same aircraft with different uh, uh, seat capacity. but. Uh, you cannot fly another uh, aircraft that is uh, different from the one you fly. You have to make a totally different course, and you will lose your uh, recent experience on the on the previous aircraft, so you won't be able to to fly the previous aircraft. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. There, there are many no rules. <laughs> I kind of thought it was like cars. Like yeah, as soon as you have, have to drive one, <laughs> I got my license. <laughs> so up until uh, five tons, you know. Uh, 5,700 kilograms, it works kind of like cars. You, can, you, you just need like a basic training on the aircraft, you know, know where the buttons are, uh, maybe do a couple of flights with an instructor and that's it. But from that way uh, higher, you need the specific training on simulator and, and it's, it's a lot more complicated. And you need different licenses if you want to fly, let's say in South America, North America, Europe, or Asia, or I don't know. Is it different every time? In practice, yes. So there's the ICAO license, which is accepted worldwide. And uh, is, this is the agency that, that sets up the rules and, uh, of the air and, 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 and organizes the world. But there are a few countries uh, that have their own specific uh, regulations. And you need their own specific license. For example, in the US, you need the FAA license. Uh, you can apply with an ICAO license. And in Europe, you need the EASA license, which is uh, a different license. So you have to either convert your license or start it all over again. And how long have you been um, a pilot? Oh my God, I completely forgot the word then. <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been a pilot for? So I've been flying the Boeing 767 for uh, 10 years now. Oh, wow. And I was lucky because I, uh, it was kind of a fast uh, move into the airline. So I just had a couple of years before that uh, flying a smaller aircraft. So how, how long did it take from like the day you decided I'm going to become a pilot to actually like being uh, uh, 767, just for me to have an idea? So like... Uh, up until getting um, three years, maybe, mm. which was yeah. kind of 
uh, fast because you know, studying takes about two years if you do it all, all together. And then you have to, uh, well, then you have to work in whatever uh, you can find. So in countries that have a lot of aviation, like the US, you start with a small aircraft and then you move into like regional aircraft and then finally you move into the airlines. Uh, in Latin America and other countries, because there's not much general aviation, which is the aviation of a small aircraft, uh, airlines tend to have uh, a different like uh, system where they hire people with very uh, low experience, which is was my case. And in Europe, it's something similar. And it was like a school in, in meaning that they know they're uh, hiring people with low experience and they build their experience into the airline uh, without going through a smaller aircraft. Right. And what uh, pushed you from uh, switching from uh, being a software engineer to becoming a pilot? Well, I, I always wanted to become a pilot. Uh, but it was not easy and it's not cheap. So I also ha have always loved uh, computing, you know, uh, developing software. Uh, I, I, actually, I keep doing that because it's, it's really fun. I, I really like it. And I saw that there was a lot of uh, opportunities getting into that first and then becoming a pilot, but having this this career on the, on my side, uh, you know, to pay for flight time, to pay for for anything that that I would need to become a pilot, mm -hmm. and uh, it happens quite often that it, because of what I just said that the air, the the, the, uh, the aviation market is not so big, there are not so many opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I was quite lucky, but uh, many colleagues may spend several years without getting hired to fly an aircraft. So I said, no, I need to have a job if that happens to me. So I thought it was wise and actually worked out pretty well to first have this solid career, build some experience and then become a pilot. That makes sense. Okay. That's... Do you have any idea how many flights you've done? Like how <laughs> many times you've flown? How many flights? Oh, Thousands. <laughs> I have now about seven thousand uh, flight hours. Seven thousand. Oh wow. Hours. <laughs> yeah. So it it also depends because I fly long range, so I can you know twenty five hours. Twenty five hours for me is just one trip to Europe and back. Uh, but for people who fly uh, regional aircraft, that may be like. 20 or more flights you know on a few days so uh when you fly long haul which is my case you tend to build up hours more uh, you know faster than yeah yeah i just like tapped it in my calculator like seven thousand hours divided by 24 is like pretty much 300 days so you've been like <laughs> flying for pretty much like one year in, in a sense it's quite, yes it's cool to think about it <laughs> so i was checking my my logbook and i i don't have the I don't have it right now here, but uh, for example, I can. I, I used to log. I don't fly to Europe anymore, unfortunately. But when I did, I logged how many times I would cross the Atlantic, and it was uh, way over a hundred. So it was kind of oh wow, cool. okay. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Do you remember your first experience flying like a big plane full of people? That must have been terrifying. Sure. Or did you just feel completely like, <laughs> I know what I've I'm doing? I've got this. Yeah. No, it was quite funny because uh, I told you I live very close to the to the old airport. So my first uh, flight on the Boeing 767 was here on this mm-hmm. old airport. And it was a flight to Miami. So it, it's fun because uh, it was a really small airport, uh, nothing compared to the big countries. You know, the, the terminal was so small that actually a lot of people would um, would be on the sidewalk on the threshold of the runway, you know. So they would see the, the planes uh, taking off of their heads. So uh, and since I lived so close, my parents went there to see me taking off. And, you know, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, whose, uh, whose family is flying on a yeah. plane. And there was this girl and, and she was like so nervous. And she was like, oh, because my, my brother is, is flying. And it's the first time he's flying. And my mother was like, hey, my son is the pilot. And it's also his first flight. And... <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of fun. I'm not sure that was reassuring. <laughs> not at all, but <laughs> it was sure funny for them at least oh yeah <laughs> that's quite fun but yeah. now when you when you do the, your first flight you actually go with with uh many uh, other pilots i mean there's the captain there's you there's a safety pilot also and there's an another instructor so they make sure everything's okay up until you can fly on your own so. <laughs> um i've heard but i don't know if it's just some stories or if it's actually real i mean the the hardest part in flying is taking off and landing and actually when you're flying in the air when you when you get to the cruise altitude the like you have like autopilot and the the thing is kind of going by itself like is that true or is it just a myth that we think no yes absolutely uh the most critical uh phase of flight i would say is takeoff Mm. uh so if something goes wrong, that would be the most difficult part. But in a normal flight, it's not that difficult. Uh, the most difficult part is uh, landing because, you know, you have to go into a small runway very fast. So when you take off, you're in the air. So if you drift, uh, it's, it's not much uh, kind of a big deal. But for landing, it is. And when uh, you fly airlines, uh, yes, you actually are... Uh, you have to use the autopilot when you're cruising because you're flying so fast, so high that the controls would be too sensitive. So you can fly manually, but, you know, in like 10 minutes, you would be exhausted, you know, because mm. the, the plane's moving really fast. You would be uh, over controlling all the time. So uh, actually, if the autopilot fails, you have to go down. You cannot stay in the upper air, oh. at least in the upper portion of the uh, of the airspace because the separation is very strict. Separation between aircraft is, is given by vertical distance, not horizontal distance. Mm. So you actually cross many, many aircraft, you know, uh, and with GPS precision, you fly precisely over uh, another aircraft or, or uh, below it. So um, you have to use the autopilot. It's not, it's not like many people think that, you know, you just push a button and forget about it. <laughs> You actually have to do a lot of things. Okay. Uh, you have to record parameters on fuel, on uh, engines. You have to communicate. Uh, you know, you are crossing uh, international boundaries. 
So you have to request uh, clearances to fly the next uh, the next uh, country and so on. Uh, you have to deviate around weather, which sometimes can be quite busy. Request you know a distance or a heading, and then move around it. So you can have uh, moments of a lot of uh, work, and you can have uh, times when things go well and you you have time to eat or uh, stand up and go to the bathroom. So, okay. or take uh, photographs. Yeah, I'll take photographs. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna yeah. come to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have one more. Uh, I have one more photograph. I have one more question before we talk about the photography. Yeah. Do you have a favorite airport to fly into or to leave out of, like because of the Good views question. or because of whatever reason? Do you have like a favorite airport? So, uh, well, I don't really fly to many places. Uh, I work for a small company, so we normally have like. I know four or five destinations because I have friends, you know, who tell me, hey, I have like 80 or 90 destinations. So, <laughs> but uh, the old airport, which is now closed here in Quito, was I think the most interesting one. The new one is it's, it's, it's quite entertaining. Uh, of course, it's, uh, it's way better, uh, has a longer runway, etc. Uh, it's uh, close to the mountains, but this the, the old one was inside of the city and you got to fly really, really close to the mountains. So it was uh, way more challenging and you have like the best views of, of volcanoes around the city. So it was quite, quite a, uh, a great view. <laughs> yeah. Can't even imagine that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you can't be distracted by the view when you land. <laughs> no, no, of course no. But uh, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, in the cockpit and not flying. So we do, for example, deadhead commuting. So actually, all my flights. Uh, what I mean by my flights is uh, the, the ones that I actually am at the controls. None of them departed from Quito because it is too too high. And this aircraft to to be able to take off, uh, you know, full weight, it needs to be at sea level. So actually, I live in Quito, but I don't fly from Quito. So I have to always commute to Guayaquil, which is on the coast of Ecuador. So this trip, I would be in the cockpit of of the aircraft, and it's actually an Airbus aircraft. But I won't be flying. I'm on the jump seat, which is the small seat behind the pilots. And actually, that's the time when I do most of my photographs because ah. I'm not flying, I'm not even uh, looking at or listening to the communications. Mm. I am just enjoying the, <laughs> the flight. So, yeah, and actually a couple of, of my images, uh, which were recognized and, and awarded, are from the cockpit of an Airbus aircraft, which I don't fly and I have never flown. <laughs> Interesting. And just like when when you say uh the quito airport was one of the most like entertaining or dangerous also and you can't uh always land and take off from this one is it because of the altitude or is it because of like the the size and the runway is not long enough to take off or land safely so the the old airport was uh was very uh, old <laughs> but what i mean by that is that it didn't have many uh well, first it was high altitude, but it had a short runway. Mm. But also, like other uh, issues, for example, the the radio navigation aids 
were not that precise uh, or or didn't have the required navigation aids at all required for precision landings, which the new one has. So the new airport has a very long runway, which in high altitude is very useful because you need to to accelerate more or uh, to to take off with more weight. And it's not that high. The previous one uh, was, I remember it was 9,200 feet high. This one is 7,400 feet high. So that makes a lot of difference when you want to fly, uh, for example, to the US because you need to spend a lot of fuel. So you have very little weight uh, for passengers. So you either fly with less passengers or you have to stop at an intermediate place, but that makes it a lot more expensive. Yeah. Um, I've got other questions about the whole pilot life, but I might keep them for after because I, I like to get into the the photography side. Uh, right. How how did you get into like photography for a start? Uh, was it just like some like a passion, like a little hobby you wanted to learn? Well, I remember being very young. I mean, like 12 years old and my father uh, teaching me some photography. He loved photography, uh, but I quite never really got into that at that point in my life. So I remember understanding how the camera works. Of course, it was a film camera, which I still have. Uh, and I really liked that. I tried it, but then I just kind of quit. Uh, it was not up until I, I was flying in, in, in an airline, uh, you know, to different places and having, uh, you know, uh, like great views of cities, of sunsets, of, of the clouds. When I say, hey, I, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to try this again. Uh, first, I thought just, you know, landscapes. Because you know everybody likes landscapes, you know mountains. At least I, I I used to climb a lot of mountains here in Ecuador, which being a small country is very easy. You know they're not too far. You can drive two hours to Cotopaxi, which is a great volcano mm -hmm. uh, with great views. So I I've always liked mountains, and I said I'm, I'm going to start doing uh, you know landscape photography. But I quickly realized that there was a lot of potential, uh, you know, when you are that high, uh, you know, flying, not in terms of landscapes, because you are so high that cities are too small. Mountains actually are too small. Uh, you, you look down at them and <laughs> it's very difficult to get a good image unless you are approaching, as I said, when you are not flying and then you have a better view of the mountains. But in this case, I realized that, uh, you know, uh, I crossed a lot of storms, so I said, let's give it a try. And at first I thought, like most photographers would think, you cannot take a, 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 an image of a, of a lightning because it's too fast and you cannot predict it. And if, if you can detect it, it's, it's already gone. So, uh, and if you take a long exposure, uh, it's going to be blurry. So that was my first thought, but then, uh, you know, after trying many, many, many times, I realized that actually you can, uh, you know, it's not always so easy. For example, if you have moonlight, of course, the image is going to be blurry, right. but if you have like perfect darkness, then it doesn't matter if you have a five second exposure because the lightning is like a flash. So in the end, you're going to have a, 
decently uh, sharp image. No, not like a studio, but at least okay. something useful. Interesting. Okay. That's a good thing about. I've seen also one of the photographs I, I, I liked uh, on your profile was one where you play with a long exposure when you have another aircraft coming like oh yeah from the other way and you can see like the whole like the lights and you have like a trail in the sky that was pretty cool as well yeah that's a that's a pretty cool effect uh, especially because like i said you uh, a lot of a lot of times you fly directly overhead another aircraft so mm. it, it comes by very very close yeah when 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 you when you take those those, those photographs are you usually like in the pilot seat and the thing is going on autopilot and you have a 10 minute break so you take pictures or it's more like you said when you are a guest that you do it uh it's, it's more like when i'm guest so because it's not and it's not just when i'm guest but for example when we travel to europe uh it's a 12 hour flight so you cannot do this flight with only two pilots so uh in my company we go four pilots and we switch every three hours so i actually have six hours when I, that i'm not flying so i'm in the jump seat like i said um the jump seat in this aircraft you have two jump seats the left one is uh, it's right next to the window and it's a really big window when you have a lot of space you know to to move the camera around so it's like the perfect place to to do this i didn't know that mm. you know you have multiple pilots when you when yeah. You so when Naya, you say it makes sense, but I don't know. Not something so we think about. <laughs> most most of the countries have similar uh, regulations, and uh, if the flight is going to be more than eight hours, you really need uh, more than two pilots. You know, some companies use three, uh, some use four, but that's kind of how it works. Okay. So you, you started to take photographs. Uh, did you just start to do it like for Instagram at the beginning, like just, just for fun for yourself? Or? So, no, at the beginning, I didn't have Instagram at all. <laughs> I was really old fashioned. So I would just, you know, take images. And I, I actually used a lot uh, a community that's called National Geographic Your Shot Community. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not sure if you've, you've heard of it. Used to have a website. They don't have it anymore. Uh, which is a shame because it was really fun. You know, you uploaded your images and if, if the images were good, uh, the the magazine editors uh, would comment, uh, you know, and they would choose, for example, I remember they had the Daily Dozen. So they chose the best 12 images of the day uh, and they would uh, publish those 12 images on the virtual magazine. So if, cool. if you had like the virtual sus subscription, then you would see the 12 best images. So it was kind of really motivating. And a couple of my images were chosen for this. So it was like the first real motivation to say, hey, I'm doing something which is not not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> because it's it's different when people who actually, uh, you know, make a really uh, prestigious uh, magazine tell you, hey, your images, it's, yeah. it's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure everyone in the world know National Geographic. Yeah. Although, I mean, that's like, the the top of the top exactly the, yes the landscape and nature that's amazing <laughs> exactly so the first uh image of a storm that i published and they they chose it for the daily dozen it was like a, a big deal to me so i was like hey this is great and actually i 
then submitted the image for for a photographic contest that National Geographic does, and he got a third place on a on a landscape uh, category. So that was like the takeoff uh, moment for me. <laughs> and you've won lots of other awards, I think, as well. You won one with Sony and a couple of other ones. Yeah, yeah. This was another one for Sony. Uh, it was pretty interesting because uh, you know I, I thought that since I don't shoot with with those cameras, I, I wouldn't qualify. But they have like a very uh, big contest where you can actually shoot with any camera you want. You can oh. submit your images, and they give you like a one uh, award for each country. So I I won the the award for Ecuador, and it was real really. Uh, it was a great experience, you know, because they kind of, uh, you know, they give you a small award. So you feel like it's not just another contest that say, hey, you won and that's yeah. it. Mm -hmm. So it was really, it, it was a really good experience. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Do you want to go into the technical detail quickly for all the photographers out there? I don't know, like yeah. what? Well, like what what camera? She's the photographer. So like, I'm <laughs> all right. Like what what camera do you use? What lens do you use? Like for all so, the so at first I I I decided to go with Nikon, but not for any specific reason. I mean, I I quickly realized that Nikon and Canon are kind of the most common cameras for for the average uh, photographer without going into any uh, you know fancy or sophisticated. <laughs> so I just. Chose Nikon. I don't even remember why. I, I liked it, and I uh, I my first camera actually was a a refurbished camera uh, that I got in New York. It was a great deal because uh, someone told me that it's better to get you know not an expensive camera, but actually to spend your money on your lens. So I kind of did that. I got a cheaper camera, but with a better lens than the kit lens that comes with it. So it was a zoom lens. Uh, 70 to 3, no, I don't remember, it was 70 or 55 to 300 millimeter lens. So uh, that was my first like setup. Then moving to like a better camera uh, with a, with an all-in-one lens, it's like, a 28 to 300 millimeter lens. And I actually like that configuration because I don't really like changing lenses all the time. Uh, even worse in flight because you know the air has uh, so many uh, dust particles that you are going to actually get uh, you know a lot of <laughs> dust into the camera. Yeah. So I have resisted my temptation to you know to get fancier lenses uh, because I just want you know something simple, just one camera and one lens. Uh, that's that's what I get now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I guess also you must be kind of limited in how much you can take now with you. Or yeah, normally uh, countries, uh, you know, allow pilots to to travel with one computer, one iPad, one phone, and, and luckily for me, one camera. Okay. So yeah, you know, when they do that, they think this is a small camera. So in some countries, they look at me with a big camera. It's like, what is that? But hey. It's, it's in the regulation, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so when, so you got some awards, uh, and and how did you start getting into the Instagram game to get more uh, a larger audience? How did that start? So uh, it was 
it was a kind of a fun experience. Uh, you know, I, I told you about this, this one image that I submitted to National Geographic. Uh, so I put it on Twitter. You know, I have a, a Twitter account with like, I don't know, 10 subscribers. <laughs> and I put it, um, you know, and many months passed up until someone uh, tweeted me, hey, this is your image. So the thing is that someone had taken the image and had published on Facebook. I think it was one of these websites that, you know, that publishes images they, they get from, from many different uh, people. And they put it and it got like very famous, but they didn't know whose image was it. Mm -hmm. So I remember I was on vacation and I was like driving uh, far. And this person tweeted like, hey, this is the, the author of this image. And then like million, uh, uh, you know, notifications came to my phone <laughs> because a lot of people uh, began, uh, you know, following me. So I had like, I don't know, 5,000 followers, like 12 uh -huh. hours. So I was like, hey, and then uh, I remember a cousin from Spain, he called me and said, hey, this image is, is yours. And it's, you know, someone showed me the image here and said, hey, what a cool image. And then another friend from Chile. So I kind of realized that the image uh, for some reason, you know, uh, <laughs> went viral. Yeah. <laughs> so in that moment, I decided, you know, to, to publish more images on Twitter because that, that, that's what I had. And a few days later, I said, well, let's try this Instagram thing. <laughs> and then, you know, quickly I realized that Instagram is kind of more suited for photography. Yeah. So it had like more room for, for this. That makes sense. That's interesting. That's funny. That must be strange to suddenly like be like, oh my God, why are all those people following me? And like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of fun because, you know, even my boss they called me and says, hey, a lot of people are asking me, how is that a pilot got that image? <laughs> I'm going to have to explain that. <laughs> did you get into any yeah, trouble yeah. or anything for that or is, is fine? Sorry? Like, did you get into any sort of trouble like for taking photographs in the thing? Or? Uh, not, not really because, you know, uh, it's not illegal, which was the first thing that we didn't know. I, I talked to my boss and, and, and a few people. And, you know, everybody grabs their phone and take images from from the landscapes and that's that's been done always so this is kind of the same thing but with a fancier camera yeah. so it's not against the regulations luckily uh, at least you know for ika or faa regulations so it all it all depends on the airline you fly for so the airline can say you cannot do this but it would be kind of uh you know not, not, not very smart because you're not dealing with with safety issues what you what we do have is a regulation that you know prohibits uh, you from taking photos if you are under a lot of uh, workload or if you are you know during uh, takeoff climb or approach and landing yeah. so during those phases you are definitely not allowed and no one wants to get a camera and, and take a picture unless you are as i said flying as a passenger and mm. of course that's a different thing so that was kind of what we we didn't really know, uh, but after we realized it was a case, uh, then didn't have much trouble. Yeah. And of course, I always, uh, if you look at my images, um, all my images are like from the window out. So the airlines kind of don't really like when you know you take a picture from the inside, 
because of course you can see everything and someone will say hey why is that switch in that position you know kind of stuff so it's not really professional to do that okay so uh, as long as it's landscaping and you do it uh, as i explained when you are on the jump sheet etc it's it's okay that makes sense okay and you now have over 110,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> that must be crazy. Uh, yeah, that's that's fine. I, I never, like, tried to, you know, to get followers. I, I just looked at the number. First, it was, like, 10, and it was, like, wow, 10. And then it, it kept growing. And, uh, you know, I realized it's... It's not because I'm a super photographer, you know, that would be silly for me to, to think I am like a great photographer. I think I'm good, but uh, I think that what I do is, as, as you said at the beginning of the interview, different. So this is different. This is new. And I think that grabs a lot of attention. So I know that a lot of people in the future will be able to take better images, you know, with better uh, points of view with better equipment but right now is something still new still different and i think that's that's what gets the attention yeah it's just a very unusual uh, point of view yeah uh, you don't see very often and and also like people like the idea of flying the idea of seeing a brand new perspective that that always attracts people you know uh just like at the beginning when drone photography started to be a thing like that was cool to see the world from above exactly but you're taking you're taking it to a whole other level <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um no yeah and um you published a book uh, yes two, two years ago right uh yes i think it's two two years yeah uh, how how did you get into publishing a book? Was that your idea or someone told you about it? How did that Well, I, I, I had the idea, I, but I never worked on the idea. Up until uh, one day, uh, a person from Germany, uh, you know, emailed me and he said, hey, uh, I want to do a, a book uh, about your photography because I think it's good, etc. And I really didn't pay much attention to him. I, you know, I, I didn't know who he was. He didn't tell me he, uh, where did he worked. So I, I said, yeah, that's a good idea, but that's it. No, thank you. And then, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and then he sent me, he, he told me, hey, I'm going to mail you, you know, three books that we do. So you can get the idea of, of what I'm talking about. And he sent me the books and it was like, wow, because, you know, I, I realized they make these great uh, photographic books you know, hardcover, big images. Um, and that's something I've always uh, loved. And there's a photographer here in Ecuador. Uh, he flies ultralight aircraft and he makes the best images of the mountains. So I've always followed him and, and his, his books, which are in this format. So I said, great, yeah, that's what I want to do. And, and then we began discussing the project, the idea uh I, re I i would have loved to do something here in spanish for example because the book is, is in french in english and german uh but not in spanish but i realized that you know to make a book here in ecuador is first are expensive of course and then you have to sell the books and i don't have any experience selling the books which uh, these people have <laughs> so uh I, we decided to to go with them and the, the book is uh, is uh, created and published in Germany, 
and then they distribute the book uh you know to big countries okay so they are like the the publisher like they they kind of take care of everything for you yes yes okay, yeah it's much easier <laughs> so they know they know the business they do it better that makes sense <laughs> the problem is that uh, for example because of the pandemic i i'm not flying to places where i can get books from them and shipping their books to ecuador is crazy expensive so right now i'm out of books and people are like, hey where do you have books and like uh, i i want i try it but right now it's not possible and i cannot print them here so <laughs> we're gonna have to wait yeah because it's nice to get a sign one yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've seen you've done that on your, on your instagram yes you i did it i did it when i got the, the the first batch of books and the first edition and i and actually with the second edition i did it with a with fewer books uh but that was a great experience and uh, i'd love to do to keep doing that but you know because of the pandemic we have to wait up until <laughs> i can go somewhere i can get the books <laughs> yeah and would you be interested or maybe that's something you're discussing to do like new editions with new photographs later in the future uh so with the with the publisher uh there's nothing specific right now you know they they know the the market and they decided uh that a second edition was a good idea we did that uh last year but we haven't discussed a new uh, book uh, with, with different images that's certainly i would love to do so i i would discuss the idea with them once we can we can <laughs> we can uh you know get out of the pandemic yeah. at least <laughs> And uh, I would like to do something that at least has some some text in Spanish, and maybe maybe some more. Uh, how can I say this? Some more uh, specifics about the photography and uh, aviation, because the books has text which are which are great because they are they're written by a meteorologist, so she explains very well the phenomenon, so people can understand where the storm is the details about that and that's great and i think that that was the best decision for a first edition but i certainly think that as a photographer i would like to more know about the you know technical details about the images yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you know the situation generally speaking yeah yeah give more context yeah and, more context and everything about yeah. That. yeah yeah yes. that's cool that'd be cool okay you briefly mentioned the pandemic then how is i mean obviously that must have affected your work how has that affected you Oh, well, I, I think it, it certainly has affected everybody. And, uh, and I think aviation, uh, the aviation industry is one of the most affected ones. Luckily, I still have a job because uh, a lot of people don't. In Ecuador, I would say that more than half of airline pilots don't have a job anymore. So it was like a big impact. Luckily for me, uh, I'm not flying passenger, which, which is what I do since uh, March last year, but luckily we had the opportunity to fly cargo. So that's what we've been doing now. And we are hoping, you know, to, to fly a little more cargo this month, at least until the passenger uh, area, you know, uh, takes off again. But we don't know when that's gonna happen. And I don't think it's gonna be anytime soon. Actually, now you say that, remember, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was on your profile you took a picture with your phone maybe of the plane like totally empty with like no seats that was like so strange 
Yeah, that's we, we never see usually. Uh, I... Yeah, that's uh, well. That's a different aircraft. It, I mean, it is the same model. It it is still a Boeing seven six seven. That's why I can fly it with my license. But it's a cargo plane, so it doesn't have any seats. Yeah. Uh, it's just three main cargo bays. Actually, you have two types. You have the the manufacturer cargo aircraft. It means that it comes out of the factory as a cargo aircraft, and you have to convert it. And you have to learn some differences. They have a few differences in, in, in specific systems they have, but you know the cockpit is almost identical, so you can fly that. Got it. Yeah. Um, how? Again, I, I've I've got this image in my head that being a pilot is like a dream job because you get to travel you get to see stuff that other people don't see and everything i guess it's way more <laughs> demanding and maybe not as fun and not as beautiful as it sounds That's fancy yeah <laughs> yeah uh what's what's mm. the reality like for example when you have especially like a, a long haul flight uh how long do you travel for can you actually see the the place you're flying to, do you have time or how long do you stay away from home? Can you give us a little bit about your life? Well, it all, it all depends on on which airline and uh, are you flying and uh, mm. even in, in, in which moment uh, are you flying. What I mean is that many years ago, uh, I think that you did have that kind of experience that most people dream of. So, uh, I mean, you go to a, a country in Europe and you spend like three, four or five days there you know, just free time to, to travel, to visit the place and then fly back home and rest a couple of days. And, and we did have uh, something like that for a few years. For example, we had a great flight to, to Madrid, Spain, which is a place that I love. You know, the food, the people are, are amazing. Beautiful city. And we spent like two days there and then we would return. But that's just a very small part of the of the career you know as in any career there are different jobs you you will get with your with your title and for example i haven't done that yet but if you fly regional aircraft it is really 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 demanding you first you don't fly internationally you fly inside your country or at most to nearby countries and it's always you know a short flight and then you immediately immediately return so you have to, you know, do like four, five, or even six takeoffs and landings in one day, which is pretty demanding because long haul we do it in one. <laughs> and then, you know, you don't get to visit places, you don't get to get out the aircraft, so it's pretty demanding. Um, it's, they usually have different uh, schedules, different rosters, because it's completely different, you know. It's way, way more demanding. And even if you fly long haul, it can happen that, for example, I've been flying to the Netherlands uh, during the pandemic, but I could not get out of the hotel. So, oh. And not just because of the pandemic, but because of the schedule. We only have 24 hours there and you are flying, you know, from, from America. So you're crossing a lot of, uh, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> or time zones. And... Time zones. And, you know, you just want to sleep. You just want to sleep for eight hours at least. And then you have something to eat. And then you have to prepare the next flight. Um, so you don't really have time to, to go out and visit places. Mm. 
So for people who want to become a pilot, I always tell them, no, so you have to look at the whole picture yeah. before you really go into this. How do you deal with jet lag? Like if you're <laughs> flying somewhere and then 24 hours flying back again, that must be killer on your body. You would not know where you're at. Like Yeah, so it, it actually is. <laughs> uh, for example, it, you know, the, the easy one is the one you, you fly across seven time zones and then fly back. The, the more complicated one is when you actually do like a, a trip around the world. So you cross seven flight time zones in one day, then the next day, the next day two, then the next day you come back three. So you, you know, by the fifth day, you don't really know. You have no idea what time it is. <laughs> what time it is or what time you want to get used to. <laughs> so <laughs> when, when, time permits you try to stay on a single time zone uh, or to move to another time zone to spend you know like a few days on that schedule you know to sleep on their night but in the end it's yeah it's really demanding on your body so that's why after you do one of these trips you have like two days you know to to come back to your time zone and and have proper sleep <laughs> Yeah, so what's what's the schedule usually? Do you work like four or five days in a row and then you have like two or three days off and again? Or? So it all depends on the company. I've heard like all, all different configurations. In my configuration is normally you fly five days and you rest two days or you fly 10 days and rest four days. Mm-hmm. So it, it, the company decides uh, which one to apply, but uh, usually they apply the, one of those. And without going into details, that's not the point, but um, do you have a fixed salary or you get paid according to how much you fly or stuff like that? So you have like a base salary, but again, it all depends on which airline you fly for. Uh, You have a lot of like, like a very big part of your salary comes from what you fly, either because, you know, they pay you for for, uh, spending time on uh, different countries or they pay you for the flight time or, you know, uh, and sometimes it's a little of, of all of those. Yeah. Uh, or when you exceed a certain amount of uh, flying hours in a month. So, but yeah, I would say like a, a third maybe of your salary may come or from this uh, variable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess, yeah, depending on how long you stay away from, yeah. from your house and everything from home, you it's some compensation yeah and you spend more so <laughs> yeah you have to eat uh, <laughs> yeah um what's what's the the plan for your future do you see yourself being a pilot for many years is that something you enjoy and, and you would like to keep doing well yes yes if, if again the pandemic permits <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> i'd love to keep flying <laughs> yeah that's really my my passion i uh and uh, well, uh, for example, I have never experienced cargo flights, which I did during the pandemic, and I really enjoyed that. So that's something new for me. And uh, I know there are many, many other, uh, you know, disciplines around being a pilot that I don't know and I haven't discovered yet. And I would love to, you know, from flying to new places to flying new aircraft or, or different aircraft, you know, even a smaller aircraft are really challenging and, uh, and entertaining and fun. So I, I see a lot of work there to do. 
it's funny as a passenger to hear that you're having fun and it's, it's entertaining to fly. <laughs> it's like, oh, careful there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. No. And do, do, is that like, would you be interested in having maybe like a, a small airplane for you just for the fun on a weekend and stuff like that? Is that something you, you would like? Oh, of course, of course. Uh, well, I, I didn't tell you, but yeah, uh, about this, this pilot that, that makes uh, phot uh, photography here in Ecuador that I told you he flies an ultralight. Yeah. So since I got the book and I say, hey, I, I've always admired your, your work and I gave him a book, he said, hey, so come join me in one flight, you know, in my ultralight aircraft around the mountains. And for example, that was a completely different experience. It has nothing to do with flying any aircraft at all. This is so small that you actually enjoy more the fact that you are in the air yeah. than the aircraft itself. It, it doesn't even have uh, many instruments. You don't even need a license to fly this. So, and you get really close to the mountains because you don't, you are not restricted, you know, to fly an airway, uh, etc. You are flying visually uh, around the place you are. So that's something I, I was really admired uh, and I really 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 like that so if you ask me you know once my my children go to the university i will sell my car and buy one of these small aircraft <laughs> to fly yeah, around the mountains your, your retired life <laughs> yes <laughs> that... yeah yeah we've done that last year mm. you enjoy that well, two years ago now oh yeah two years ago yeah yeah oh, yeah it's 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 a nice experience yeah i i went on small like we'll try like yeah. times when i was a kid and again two years ago and yeah or something but you have to do it near the mountains I, that's key because yeah it's completely different uh i once flew for example uh uh gliders in in florida mm -hmm. and i really love the experience of the glider uh you know again no instruments at all you you have to just look outside and fly fly it without an engine which is pretty pretty challenging uh, but what I really, really liked in terms of experience was, you know, the mountains. It's yeah. it's uh, amazing. Yeah, F South Florida is a bit boring considering it's just it's a bit flat, entirely yeah. flat. <laughs> yeah, a bit flat. <laughs> Endless, so, yeah, not the most entertaining uh, <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and in terms of the the photography, uh, do you have any I don't know things you would like to try, things you want to experiment? things you would like to achieve well I, i'm always experimenting uh as i said i don't consider myself a great photographer i i have uh, uh i i see uh many photographers that have a great eye you know they can make great images from a place that everybody is uh, is looking at the same thing and and yet they're make they make unique images so i have a lot of room to improve my photography and a lot of disciplines for example uh just to give you an example a few months uh, ago i read an article about uh, astrophotography which i consider amazing i know very little about that so i've been reading lately a lot about it and even though i may not uh, make great images about that i really want to give it a try and just just to enjoy it you know yeah. just uh... oh yeah and just wondering, like, have you played with drone? Considering that be flying and photographing at the same time. Uh, for example, I I um, really 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 tempted to buy a drone. I I really want to. I had a 
you know when drones first came came out like uh, i don't know five years ago or, or, or a little more i got one but it was you know really basic like drone you know <laughs> you don't really have to buy the first thing that comes out of anything because it's going to be really limited so you didn't you, you couldn't really make images with this drone you know very little camera very shaky I ended up uh, selling it because I, I couldn't do any any good images with it. And I've seen that nowadays you have uh, very precise uh, gimbals, you know, that stabilize your, your drone and you can film. Uh, the reason I don't have a drone yet is because I think a drone is more suited, you know, to film rather than just making still images. Mm -hmm. And I really don't have time to process video <laughs> because... Oh. <laughs> it's way way more complicated you need better equipment but also a lot of time so you know I have two 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 daughters they, they're young so i prefer you know to spend more time with them and not spend too much time uh editing video and, and even photography i try to keep it very simple you know just a few seconds editing each image and then move to the next one <laughs> yeah I, uh, I i'm asking because i i have a drone so that's something i enjoy doing so yeah i thought it'd be nice too yeah but one day i will end up buying one yeah i think <laughs> it's fun it's really fun yeah. <laughs> the problem with the drone is though is that you can't really get photographs on like rainy windy days so oh, if you yeah. particularly enjoy doing storms yeah. it's hard to photograph a storm when there's a lot of wind and rain. <laughs> yeah, probably not a good idea. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah you, you, you'd have to get another nickname. You won't be able to do the, the storm pilot. <laughs> or you have to look for the drone after the storm passed. Yeah. <laughs> Very tech consuming. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been so nice talking to you for this kind of hour, roughly. Um, yeah, I feel like I've asked all my questions yeah. that I have for a, dr uh, a pilot. It's yeah. Been I've got one last question for you. Of course. Uh, it's a question I'm trying to ask every guest when I remember. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> um, if you could have a conversation uh, or dinner um, with anyone, uh, dead or alive, that you think is like super interesting and you would have a million questions for them, uh, it doesn't have anyone to be famous. It could be just, you know, I don't know, someone like in a family you haven't met or whatever, like who, who would you pick and why? Uh, well, there would be many people, <laughs> but uh, for example, I, I would probably say uh, one guy that I follow on YouTube, which I think is, is pretty interesting. He makes, uh, he makes great content about many uh, scientific things uh, from interviewing an astronaut to talking to Obama, to, you know, uh, being in a submarine and explaining the science wow. behind it. But from a very non, uh, not so, uh, not so technical point of view. So everybody can understand he, I think his name is Destin Sandling. He has okay. a channel that that's called smarter every day. Okay. So I think it's a very, very interesting person. He's from Alabama, I think. So I think it would be really, really fun to talk to him. I have to check the out. Yeah. That sounds because it sounds actually, like yeah, it sounds, I, sounds like a good channel. Yeah. I like the idea of, of, you know, of touching all these uh, scientific and non-scientific uh, things, you know, 
we are in this world for a very limited period of time, so we have to make <laughs> a, a, a good use of our time here. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> they would know a lot of different things as well. You'd have like some a lot to talk about with somebody like that if they yeah. kind of experienced a lot of different oh, yeah. things. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> okay, so we're going to try and get them on the podcast and have like a five-hour episode. No, but that, you, you gave me an idea to get someone who's being in a submarine. Because that must be interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, a lot. So I need to find a submarine pilot or whatever the name is. No idea. <laughs> uh, I think they will uh, be military, most of them at least. Yeah, probably, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, again, thank you so much for this um, podcast episode. It has been great to ask all these different questions. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it, guys. If you did, make sure you leave us a review. Make sure you follow um, Santiago. Oh my God, I forgot your name. Santiago. Santiago. <laughs> on Instagram. We will leave that in the show notes as well. Yeah, it's, uh, the best place to get in touch with you is Instagram and your website, right? SantiagoBorja.com. Yes. Dot com. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Okay, I will link everything in the show notes so people can find you. Uh, where can people buy your book? Is it on Amazon? Uh, well, in the US, I know it is on Amazon. And also, you can order it at Barnes & Noble. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think those two are the most uh, you know, common places to place, buy in the yeah. US. And in Europe, there are other big libraries that will get it. And if they don't have it, I've been told that they will order it from somewhere else and they will bring it to you. Cool. I'll try to put as many links as I can find so anyone can yeah. take a look and, and, and buy it if they're interested. I'll do my best to find everything. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no, thank you, everyone. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you.